hello and welcome to 100 Numbers. That's right, guys. Welcome to another episode. Do you even care what episode number it is? No, you don't. Because we're G.I. Joburg and we've been coming at you for 100 years right now. So, enjoy it. Have a good time. This is Rob. My name is Steve. And that's Steven. <laughs> okay. Let's try that again. <laughs> Steven. Fuck. Oh, really? Okay. He gives a fuck. Alright, 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 alright. <laughs> This is episode 175 of G.I. Joburg. My name is Steve. And I'm Paul, joined by my mother who had to pop into my study for some reason. And who else is joining us today? Today, Rob is here. Thankfully, Yay. his grand has not popped in yet. But maybe <laughs> she will. Later. And that's it, guys. Gee, Whoa. When was the last time it was just the three South African boys? Hmm. Not often, not often. But when was the last time all three South Africans were in South Africa? Huh. <laughs> Huh. Tricky. Oh, don't don't tempt me, man. Don't tempt me. I get very <laughs> homesick right about now. Still stuck yeah. in Australia, eh? But then I think about all those cigarettes that I get to smoke here in Australia, and I'm like, <laughs> 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 they only cost three hundred rand a packet anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Not far off from yeah, us, guys. Yeah, it's <laughs> hilarious. The amount you spend on bootleg cigarettes in South Africa is the amount Australians spend on cigarettes anyway. Wow. So, so everything's relative, right? Yeah. Apparently so, apparently so. Maybe I should just stop buying illegal cigarettes. <laughs> I feel like I'm Australian. On the agenda this evening, gentlemen, what are we talking about? We are doing a deep dive into the past. We're going back in time <laughs> to our very first eBay slash internet purchases, specifically G.I. Joe. Why? Yeah, man, eBay has played a major role in the collecting game, to a lesser or greater degree. I challenge anyone to have completely avoided eBay. Even people who have got vintage toy markets in their vicinity. You sometimes are just coming up short on a part, or a piece, or a thing, or a thing. And everything you could ever hope to find will be on eBay at a price. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. And that's, yeah, that's more than just your own uh, pride. But anyways, gentlemen... Let's start things the correct way. Does anyone have any new shit to talk about? I have some new <laughs> shit to talk about for a change. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Mm, fresh. Fresh. Dropping, dropping them down. <laughs> the brown town. <laughs> okay, so um, the one is like definitely worth talking about. Or they're both worth talking about. But, the other, uh, but one of them is not in hand. But it has been paid for. So I'm going to class that as I have it for now. So, um, so recently I went onto our local, uh, sort of eBay type thing called bid or buy. And I got myself a vintage mainframe who is pretty much complete, save for not having his little walkie talkie phone thingy. Um, but he came complete with his backpack and his, uh, case, his little computer or little <laughs> big computer and a hose. So that's pretty cool. And he's now with me providing tech support. So I'm very happy to finally have Mainframe in my collection. And what makes Mainframe so special is that Mainframe himself is drawing me just a little bit closer to finishing off my 86 year. I've got one more figure from 86 to get and that is a Viper. So I am so excited 
to 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 me like closer to that. And mainframe is a cool toy, totally underrated, uh, in my opinion. He's like a badass and an IT specialist. I mean, you know, you can't go wrong. His sculpt is incredible. I'm gonna back you up there, Paul. Incredible. He was one of my earliest Joes, and I think the guys from across the road, the kids from across the road, had one solitary episode of the G.I. Joe animated series called Cobrathon. Oh! <laughs> which featured mainframe quite heavily. And all of a sudden, his his place in my playtimes was elevated. It was the only episode of the cartoon I'd ever seen to that point. And it was the only one that like I would go on to have ever seen until I was probably in my 20s. <laughs> so, mainframe was the man. And all of a sudden, he was kind of like a central figure in our playtimes. Rob, how many times did we like infiltrate the Cobra installation just to get mainframe to like hack their computers? <laughs> I-, I feel like that was every game. <laughs> Pretty much. He was like the linchpin. Like, Snake Eyes was cool, but he could only get you there. Mm. It was Mainframe who was essential for the mission. Which is cool that we kind of realized early on that, that it wasn't just the guys who shot people that were important. It was, you know, the tech dudes as well. The support was actually important. And, and that's Yeah, cool. I can recall not really putting many weapons in his hands. Mm. Uh, he never really toted a laser rifle or a machine gun or anything. He was <laughs> always weighed down by that heavy-ass computer and that backpack. And that backpack. Tell me, Paul, does your mainframe have the little uh, post on the backpack for the pipe? Yes, it does, but it's like a little post. Eh? It's not not exactly significant. And it's weird. It's not like other G.I. Joe um, posts where, you know, they have like a distinct shape. This one's more like a nipple, <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> like... <laughs> Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is it on the front, the face of the communications pack? Uh, no. No, it's on the... S- uh, oh, so it's broken off. I'm afraid yours is broken. Uh, but that's oh, okay. I see where it's meant to go. Okay. Oh, Ooh. no. Well, it's not it's like I don't have four... His toy. Now, ironically, with mainframe, <laughs> I have all of his gear. Like, times two. Except... Um, except for the phone uh, yeah because somehow in lots that i've just um acquired or when people have sent me stuff he's just his gear has just appeared in their stuff and then um i've also got the modern era version of him which in my opinion looks like a transformer trying to <laughs> trying to pass off as a human being bro <laughs> i make that joke like every time on talking joe because the artist uh, shannon gallant mm. he is working off the modern era 25th anniversary data frame figure oh god and every time he shows up, I'm like, hey, there's Rodimus again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, it's so, and it was like, it's really like sort of amplified by the fact that I went on to 3D Joe's just to, just to like check, you know, if I was missing anything from my mainframe figure. And then I went to yojo.com just to compare it to the modern era. I mean, I've got the modern era pose, but sometimes I'm lazy. I just want to go onto the internet to check these things. And I was like, oh my shit, mainframe looks like a Transformer. <laughs> you know, just by comparison. I mean, if you don't have the vintage, the the, the 25th doesn't look that bad. Crickets? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, but of course the helmet is this weird, like, vented, angular thing. Yeah. Which isn't the classic... It does look like they, they stole tooling from a Transformer, I swear. I'm, I'm pretty but sure. But funny yeah. you should say that mainframe's equipment just pops up everywhere. Because my original mainframe's backpack had not only a snapped post, but also a snapped aerial. Ugh. Then I finally got one with the aerial. 
with a completely unrelated figure. And then the final stroke was the pack that found its way into Yin Yang because I got it in Hong Kong with your Ice Viper. Ooh. It was inexplicably like the Ice Viper had this mainframe backpack on. <laughs> so I was like, I'll have that. I'll have that Ice Viper <laughs> for my friend. Meanwhile, I get to finally have a fixed backpack Aww. for my, my long suffering mainframe of many years. Hey, Rob, don't you have a mainframe as well? Or did I keep him? Did I give you that that one that I got a joke on for five bucks? Oh, jeez. Do I have a mainframe? I don't know. I might have thrown him into your havoc at some stage. It's possible. I'll, I'll have to have a look again. Because I, I I was rummaging through the the $5 figure bins at JoeCon, mm. and a minty, minty mainframe just crossed my paws. I was like, I this is my childhood figure, and nothing's ever going to replace him. But, like, obviously, childhood figure's going to have seen some years... This one is, you know, a pretty replacement. But then all of a sudden, I was swept up by the madness, which still plagues me today. And that's the fact that, like, when it comes to display or play, for that matter, I want the childhood one Mm. front and center. So my minty examples have actually shuffled their way into a drawer or into other people's collections. So I certainly hope you you have that mainframe, Rob. It's possible. uh, If not, not, he's got your name on it. Definitely. Heck yeah, cool. Yeah. Bring it to me when I see you next weekend. <laughs> 2023. <When> I, <laughs> on, that, on the topic of that mainframe and that bin, actually, uh, at JoeCon, uh, it's funny, you know, we, we mentioned, uh, I think Kujo asked us, what is the one thing we regretted uh, not getting or not picking up at JoeCon? and oh it's one of the listener questions actually yeah and and i gotta say it's like really sort of hit me two days ago when i got mainframe and i was explaining stuff to celia and i was like you know i really really regret not digging in that bin more i really do wasn't it mr shamansky it's possible yeah yeah it was dan shamansky that was his question that's definitely something i hope i'm right my memory serves me well or maybe it's because I'm the guy chewing through the edit. Hey, hey. but uh, <laughs> but yeah, that was that was one of my my like sort of chief regrets from um, from JoeCon is that I didn't really go through that bin enough, and uh, I really regret that. Uh, uh, and I can't. I think it was because I got mainframe and uh, Celia was here actually that evening, and I I switched on an episode of Ed's Retro Geek Out or Retro Geek Channel. Sorry, Ed. Um, and there was a part of that episode where he was diving through bins and things, and then it just made me all nostalgic. And yeah, and I was like, oh, they have bins like that in America. And Celia's like, oh yeah, just full of toys like that. I'm like, yeah. She's like, wow, that's a lot. <laughs> and I'm like, you don't understand. <laughs> anyway, one man's trash is another man's, man's treasure. treasure. I there could you. not believe it. And another thing, right? Uh, another toy that I got, and this is kind of a big hole in my collection. Uh, I, yeah, it's. <laughs> Uh, sorry. I always <laughs> hear you say all. Hole. <laughs> which which hole. in Afrikaans means hole, but it also means your butthole. Your butthole. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, continue. Your your big hole. My my crude hole. <laughs> I uh I stumbled upon this cool seller on on Facebook the other day and he had a a massive collection of um eighty three to like eighty five Joes that he was selling off. Uh, primarily 83 and 84 stuff. Uh, there was like a smattering of 85 here and there. But I finally got my hands on a Cobra Commander. I got my very own Coco. I have, I've never had a vintage, I, I've never had a vintage Cobra Commander as in like pre, 
1990s and then i got a battle armored one which is super super cool and now i have a proper you know chrome faced well silver faced um cobra commander from from the mail away version from 83 so that's awesome where did you say the seller was on on facebook he had posted on amazing yeah he had posted on three different um collection groups and i think i was one of them on one of them and then i just saw it and i was like oh wow you know uh, maybe it's time I get a Cobra Commander. And then I quickly looked on eBay <laughs> uh, to check how much they go for. And I was like, oh my shit, this guy's actually got really good specimens for a pretty good price. Anyway, I paid 75 You do better on uh, social media than on eBay, of course. Totally. Because eBay, you know, in order to host your, your wares on eBay, eBay does charge the sellers a cost, which they then factor into what they charge you. Mm. It's understandable, pure economics. But the tricky thing about dealing with people on social media is no feedback, no history. Yeah. Uh, and is it my imagination or does pay- PayPal get really sticky about just sending money, you know, willy-nilly? Strangers. Whereas if it's encapsulated in an eBay uh, transaction, it's all kind of worked out into the price. If you're sending to friends and family or to mm. goods and services on PayPal... There's a transaction charge, which is a percentage of the cost. There's a conversion charge, because, of course, we're not using dollars. We're converting currency. Yeah. So there are hidden costs with PayPal, don't you find? Yeah, no, definitely. I I think it's because eBay and PayPal are so integrated that they have um, a really good ecosystem there. So there is a lot of... Yeah. um, yeah, Forex just goes, you know, automatically either way. But uh, on, in this situation, I was quite lucky in that I had some dollars in my PayPal account, so I could at least pay uh, dollar to dollar. So that, that makes all fun. the difference, doesn't it? Mm. Oh, in a big way. It definitely made it easier for me to so, sort of reconcile the price because it was 75 bucks. And I thought the, the initial one I wanted to go for was like $40. Um, and that one had already sold. He just didn't have a chance to update it. And then he's like, well, listen, I've still got like a $75 one and a $200 one. The $200 one is like minty sexy sweet and it's still in a baggie i think if i if memory serves anyway um so the one i got has just got a little bit of wear on on the helmet on the faceplate and it's got a little bit of discoloration and to be fair like to find any cobra commander without discoloration right now is pretty much impossible so like yeah i was like (laughs) i got one (laughs) yeah But anyways, his helmet's a little bit discolored, and that's, like, not the end of the world. I've got his gun, and I've got his file card, so that's a bonus, you know? I see people nice. selling the file card for $40 on eBay, so, yeah, I'll I'll take my win. But I finally got Coco, and that makes me very, very happy, because that is definitely one of the harder things to get from 83 in terms of um, price uh, pricing. And, you know, you just know that the prices are going to shoot up. When the Snake Eyes movie comes out, if it does well, G.I. Joe prices are going to skyrocket on eBay. So, oh, yeah. If they aren't already. I mean, people I talk to, you know, like, I was just having words with a, a guy from Brisbane, in fact. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he mentioned that the prices have, have in the last six months, mm-hmm. have skyrocketed. So, clearly, they're still on the rise. And, I mean, obviously, the lockdown buying culture has has only added to that i'm sure yeah because people are buying like crazy because there's, there's, there ain't nothing to do but stay indoors and shop online yeah absolutely totally. i i also bought an 83 figure uh, and i hope to be getting it to uh, one of these days 
a swivel arm scarlet. Oh, cool. Wow. Very cool. Came with the accessory and with the uh, file card. I'm using an intermediary to send it out. But <laughs> unfortunately, you know, the seller took adequate pictures, but my guy in the middle took far better pictures. And I can tell you now, boys, that crotch is not going to last long. Oh, <laughs> <sighs> uh, snake eyes. Scarlet crotches, man. That dainty little scarlet crotch. Yeah, exactly. She's gotten the snake eye. <laughs> oh. So it's going to be more gentle. But... Um, I was talking uh, about broken crotches on G.I. Joe figures uh, to Celia, uh, you know, just uh, because on, on Biddlebuy, there's a monkey wrench and I'm considering getting him because he's got a, a whole crotch. And I'm like thinking, is 250 Rand worth getting, you know, worth paying for a crotch? And uh, right now it feels like, yes, but I'd rather maybe spend that money on the Destro that they have there. And I was thinking, like, if I had to get that, I would definitely try to fix that crotch, you know, like, go in there and, like, really, like, file it down so that it doesn't hook with the with the sort of metal O-ring, metal part of the O-ring construction, the T-bar. Because I think that's actually what happens. I think we've discussed this before, where maybe that just puts a lot of pressure on it, and eventually it just snaps it, you know, that combined with, you know, 30-year-old plastic. I would agree with you, but the process of filing down a fragile crotch, mm. you know, that's going to put some stress on the plastic itself. Some things you just can't mess with. Agreed. Yeah, either way, you're going to put stress on it. You just got to accept the fact that, like, if it's starting to go, maybe then you can reinforce it and just yeah. not pose the figure aggressively, which is yeah. sad because Scarlet is the kind of figure that needs to be posed well like yeah i don't know man she's just all kinds of cool like it are the females of gi joe op probably yes because someone like scarlet can be on the ninja infiltration team with snake eyes and timber at the same time she can be jumping out of the plane or conducting a briefing in a kind of clandestine uh, mission uh, scenario so like she's intelligence she's combat she can be hauling a rucksack through a jungle like the same thing goes with lady j like the females have to wear multiple hats i guess because they're just fewer of them but the result is they're far less compartmentalized they are just front and center all the time mm. hell yeah. yeah that's true <sighs> whoa i got lots to talk about boys <laughs> Shall we focus ourselves down a little bit and chat six inches? Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell, Hell yeah. yeah. Apparently it's six inches to, that makes collectors happy these days. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> or, or controversial because, whoa, I don't know if you guys caught wind, but there's been some buzz about uh, Gung Ho's new tattoo. Ooh. Anyone want to take a stab at uh, what, the, uh, what the controversy might be? I didn't know that. Well, I have to... I'm looking at it what? now. I'm trying to find a closer pick. You're trying to figure it out, Paul? Yeah, I'm also trying to figure out... So it's not the, the, the classic Marine Corps logo, the bird and the ball. Yeah. It has a sort of an eagle outstretched, uh, with outstretched wings. And it has been conjectured online. This is not my opinion. This is a personal, you know, private person's opinion. That it looks a lot like the Iron Eagle from the... German Wehrmacht. Oh. Or is it the SS? Oh, good lord. Either way, there are Nazi associations with it, and this particular poster put that symbol up in his post. 
<laughs> to kind of make the correlation. Mm-hmm. And boy, did that ever create a shitstorm. Ooh, man. Wow, because my Nazi dar didn't go off on that at all. I'm trying to find a picture. Okay. And I, yeah, no, I well, mean... If you, if you put a swastika at the bottom of that symbol, would it not look a little closer? I don't know. I think if you put a swastika underneath anything, it would look Nazi-ish. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> like, fair enough, that's, fair enough. Yeah. Anyways, like, people were, were climbing in on various sides of the fence, um, either deriding this poster and telling him to take down that image, and people saying, you know, what's the big deal? Which is perhaps a greater evil uh, in, in, in these very yeah. sensitive times. Like, don't come at someone for being offended at seeing a swastika. Yeah. <laughs> that is a perfectly reasonable image to take big offense to. Yeah. Yeah. You can totally take umbrage to a fucking swastika. Well, I, I imagine they moved towards doing an eagle because, I mean, at least according to the, the new official Giorgio website, I mean, this is now supposed to be an international team. So his origins could be that he wasn't even in the American military. He could be in another military. And also, the new Giorgio seems to feature Eagle as a... I mean, they've done it before. You know, Eagle is like mm. a big um, animal or whatever, like the team mascot. I mean, it's featured in, in the logo and stuff. So it could be that they kind yeah. of... Oh, yes, the movie logo, sure. Yeah, but also I think mm. the website as well. And as Kujo pointed out in the last episode, they've rinsed the colors down. You know, it's not the red, white, and blue livery. It's now kind of just three three bars. Yeah, yeah. but what I found interesting, they it's an international team, but like all the mm. bios of all the G.I. Joes on the website are all American <laughs> so far. For now, yeah. So it's like, okay, so are we? <laughs> are there eventually going to be international people on this team? I, I think it's just the case of like having the cover story to make the toys as palatable as possible. Mm. But, you know, people in the know, we all know what G.I. Joe is. We all know how we're going to regard these characters. Yeah. yeah. But for anyone not in the know, the new reveals, they're not that new now, but forgive us, we podcast fortnightly, <laughs> <laughs> are Cobra Commander in two delicious flavors, yeah. Storm Shadow looking very much like his Ninja Force appearance, Arctic Mission. Prophet Director Destro. <laughs> this, I went We all know what that is. <laughs> Daddy Destro. And uh, Gung-Ho, obviously, we've, we've, we've addressed that. Mm-hmm. And rounding out the fivesome is the Red Ninja. So I guess the first swipe is, gentlemen, who's the big standout? Who are you guys excited about? Uh, ooh, can I, can I go first? Because I'm like so excited. Uh, I'm actually excited about these reveals. <laughs> Yeah, it's a trick question. Are you excited? <laughs> Are you excited, Rob? <laughs> well, it's six inches. I mean, I'm curious to see and see them as they come out. <laughs> yeah, well, it's not it's not often I get excited about you know six inches, but you know, um, <laughs> but I gotta say this this pump daddy Destro has has really got like you know my juice is flowing. <laughs> <laughs> It's so cool. Like, I actually, I can't believe they've done it. And I, I, when I saw the picture the first time, I thought, oh, God, this is going to be some kind of internet exclusive thing that's going to be like, you know, $50 or some crap. And I'm never going to have one. And then I see, no, it's actually part of the standard release, or at least it, it's available as a standard uh, release on BBTS. And yeah, okay, it's uh, it's $7 more expensive than all the other figures. But to be fair, it does come with an extra cape. <laughs> Okay, um, which is so tastefully 
gaudy. <laughs> I love it. I'm going to have so much fun finally having, because I don't have a Pimp Daddy Destro, so it's great to actually have one. And Very few one... people do, Paul. Very few people do. <laughs> There's probably a reason true. for that. <laughs> I mean, I read somewhere, it was actually a fan webpage that chronicles the original Pimp Daddy Destro. Um, I think the last public sale, according to that website, was 2007. <laughs> uh, they have traded hands in private, I believe, but for crazy prices. I mean, in 2007, I think it was about $2,500 for a, a PDD wow. on card. Wow. Crazy. Mm-hmm. Now everybody can have one. <laughs> nice big one. Yeah, so, I mean, so like, yeah, Pimp Daddy Destro uh, definitely gets my excitement. Uh, Gung Ho is just too cool. As we mentioned earlier, I mean, uh, despite the controversy, I think it's a really cool looking toy. It's uh, He looks like he's ready for business. I find that he's a great sort of uh, complement to his original design in a lot of ways. He's actually probably the most G.I. Joe out of all of the G.I. Joes they've released, um, with the exception being Snake Eyes, because he's very just, he doesn't look as space age as, say, the rest do, at least to, to my eye. Well, there's no gold, is there? exactly or if there is it's very minimal or it hasn't jumped out at me to offend me so yeah i'm i'm cool with that you say space age but there's a there's a james cameron uh, colonial marine kind of vibe to him yeah i mean it's yeah. that very much kind of like it looks like these guys have just plucked their you know their uniforms from army surplus but there is a distinct sci-fi flavor to it yes the shin yeah. guards the the asymmetry the uh, armor portions on his vest, which is nice. I I like the idea that he's wearing a flak jacket. He's wearing armor, but he's just unzipped because he's like, I'm going to show you boys my tattoo. And my muscles. <laughs> <laughs> and More guns yeah. than he can carry. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, but that's, Do you think there'll be a plug-in port for them to, to be worn on the backpack? Ooh, that would be nice. Uh, I can't see anything on the pictures uh, at the moment. Oh, uh, no, I see on the picture. Um, they slide in. Okay, I'm looking at bleedingcool.com. Yeah, I slide in on the side. I think I see the butt Ooh. of his one weapon kind of poking out of the, the side of his Yeah, because the, the packaging has like like two, four, two things on each side that pop out a bit. Yeah, so I think you can slide them in there. Wow, great. Oh, cool. So you can go full on Doom Marine. Nice. Yeah, no, he's he's great. And I love the, the single knee pad. Uh, or for his leaning knee, or for his um, crouching knee, should I say? Um, I like his haircut. I know some people were like, you know, going on about like his haircut, not necessarily in a bad way. They were just asking questions like, uh, "What do you imagine, you know, his hair to look like under his his little PT cap?" And uh, yeah, I think this is cool. It's very modern. It's a bit Call of Duty, which is not a bad thing. Call of Duty's soldiers' designs are very cool. Um, I'm not like, I'm not opposed to that at all. I think he's definitely like sort of the gem. I I, I mean, irrespective, I think what you will of Pimp Daddy Destro, it's, I think that's a very hit or miss figure for most people, but I think Gung Ho is definitely the star of the show in this, in this launch. Cobra Commander's cool. Uh, we did discuss him a little bit in the last episode. I personally prefer the dark blue deco and I mean, I, I, you know, the last episode sort of enlightened me a little bit here, but I can't stand the light blue deco. I think it looks bad, personally. Um, I think it looks like a cash-in. It's like cash-in Cobra Commander. I thought that was very uncool of Hasbro to do. But at the same time, I also sort of had a sigh of relief when I saw that that was the exclusive one. I was like, oh, my word, that's so cool. I'm so glad it's not like, you know, like 
some kind of Cobra Commander with like extra stuff or whatever that I'm missing out on. And then, and that's why I initially had that knee jerk reaction of, oh no, Pimp Daddy Destro is going to be like some exclusive thing, but that's going to be a peg warmer for sure. I'm sh- uh, but anyway, and <laughs> sorry, just thinking about it anyway. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I think, I think they all look really cool. But which one is your favorite, Robbie? Out of, out of these ones, I'd probably also go with the Pimp Daddy. It's weird. He just, he's, it's so ridiculous. I, I love that it comes with those, those, those glasses. Those trashy glasses, o- man. Over his, his, you know, his chrome dome. It's ridiculous. It's so stupid, but it's it's fantastic. I think that they know what they want with this line. And there's, there's a consistency now that you can kind of recognize. Yeah, yeah I, I think he's probably the, the standout because it's so unexpected. But like uh, they're all really good though. Yeah. The flaming money, dude. I mean, of all the accessories, <laughs> fucking flaming money is too cool. <laughs> <laughs> I got money to burn. <laughs> I'm only burning it. my half. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Credit where credits due. The man who broke the news to me after Fan Friday, I believe that's when these images were leaked was Cody Scalf, who has been on the show before and is the creator of The Secret Machine, the web series or the Playmotion short film <laughs> over on the G.I. Jobo YouTube channel. So this guy has a great handle on what makes G.I. Joe cool. He's also my age. So when he saw effectively... The classified series does Ninja Force Storm Shadow. Mm. I immediately came to mind. And he was like, Yo. hey, Steve, isn't this your favorite Storm Shadow? <laughs> I freaking loved the images. Mm. I was like, this is incredible. I wish it was my scale. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I wish I, I look at my Ninja Force Storm Shadow, which I happen to have. It's one of the very few figures that I have here with me in Queensland. And I'm like, I want him to store his sword, his quiver, his bow. I want him to have a grapple and a rope, just like that action figure. But I'm afraid neither of them is the ultimate. Like, the the, the six-inch one kind of impoverishes my view of the Ninja Force. And the Ninja Force one... Makes me wish they had all those, those unique touches that the Ninja Force Storm Shadow or Storm Shadow version three has, which I've come to love so much, like his leg wrappings, like his sculpted instruments of death, which I imagine at a six inch scale they would have been tempted to make removable, uh, which would then just make this figure a nightmare in terms of like bits of. Yeah, well, parts that could just, like, fall off. Like, how do you attach two grenades to your shoulder and then two throwing stars to the other shoulder? I suppose you could make them sculpted, like, as with Scarlet. I mean, she's got weapons on her person that aren't removable. Hmm. But, uh, yeah, man, Ninja Force Storm Shadow, I think... I think it's something that is best left alone. I don't know if they can do it... um, Maybe I'm going on a limb here, but remember the Dollar General attempt at this figure? Yes. Yeah, and of course it, it it nailed the the coloring, the fact that it's black and white, symbolizing maybe Storm Shadow's uh, 
ambivalence in the yeah, fact that like at the moment yeah 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 he's he's stepped away from the dark the, the evil but he's not he's not a gi joe he's yeah. something else and i look at that and i see a very like simplified look and and it's clean and it's nice but i miss all the little pops and little additions and the gold accents and stuff and now i see a very technical approach in the classified line and i'm like I wish it was a bit more retro old school. Yeah. So I, I guess I'm I'm just an impossible audience to to try and pander to and You're a difficult customer. Exactly. I'm not gonna go out and out of my way and order the damn thing, but man, if it crossed my paths and I had a bit of uh, loose cash I don't see myself being able to walk out without it. I'd probably just be swept up in the moment of like, oh this is so cool. So that would be the one, the one figure that I purchase. No, well, I don't blame you because like when I saw this, I got excited as all hell. But, you know, it's not really part of the the, the wave. It seems to be some kind of, I want to say exclusive, but it's not really. It's weird. I don't know where it's supposed to fit in the current release because it it's, says Amazon exclusive. Yeah. In some of the, the, the news around it. So maybe that's. Yeah, maybe Amazon's getting a nice shot in the arm with this exclusive figure to boost their sales. I am curious to see how the scaling of the sickle matches his original accessory. <laughs> I've got this distinct feeling that, okay, the handle might be thicker to, you know, not make it loosey-goosey in the hands of a six-inch figure. But I think the scaling's probably the same because his original <laughs> sickle is gargantuan. Okay, not not gargantuan. It's, it's pretty big. Yeah. You know, it's a lot... It's a lot more oversized than perhaps a, the fine weapon that it's meant to represent would would be. No, I, I, I saw that post on, when you put that on Facebook and I had to chuckle because I was like, yeah. Because also on that photo, there was just something about it that looked like the original sculpt. It actually looked like the original mold <laughs> for uh, a second. It's a little, the, the, the actual sort of... Yeah, it doesn't have the fur. Yeah, but the edged part is less um, dainty. Yeah. Um, fine. It's kind of more... Look, it's it looks more well proportioned than the original accessory. I'll give it that. Mm. <laughs> the real, original accessory's um, point has quite a long swoop to it, because I think it was probably a safety concern. Very like much so. To blunten it slightly and just extend it to to maybe um, uh, allow it to not go down past the esophagus. No, you get lodged a little bit too soon before it starts. Just far enough so you can tickle your throat, but not far enough that you can swallow it. (gasps) Exactly. But I have a few gripes with this uh, Storm Shadow and a few observations as well. So I'll start with the observations. The first thing that I noticed uh, with this and the Red Ninja, and this is actually something I'm very, very happy about. Traditionally, G.I. Joe has always used um, the, a Storm Shadow mold to create the Red Ninjas. This is also apparent in the modern era releases and going as far as the 50th anniversary releases. I mean, they've, they've never gone out of their way to make a unique sculpt for the Red Ninja. And in this case, Storm Shadow and the Red Ninja have quite distinct sculpts. They have different bodies, different arms to a large degree. There's a lot of happening that makes these two figures different. Which is a cool thing because that tells me that we might get the same toy, uh, the same Storm Shadow in a different deco going forward, you know, in, in different colors, maybe all white. Another thing that um, that I want to point out, there are no Cobra sigils on the Storm Shadow whatsoever that I can find. So Yeah, but they did include the chocolate box on his... Yeah, on his the Arashikage pet. hexagram, yeah. 
Yeah, What's I mean, so cool about a ninja clan, a secret ninja clan, if they just go around branding everything. It's on exactly everything, right. even his um his 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 quiver. It's it's hilarious. Yeah, I've got a big problem with that. <laughs> big, big, big. It's not supposed to be like obvious a faction yeah. symbol. It's supposed to be you know it's a tattoo that you get when you are allowed into this clan. They don't. I don't go around branding their equipment with it. <laughs> exactly. It's, just, it's pushing it a little bit. Find our SE star today. Buy our match. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and the Night Creepers are clearly more effective ninja because they don't have any branding. <laughs> so, you know. It's a cool symbol, mm. but it was cool because of its secrecy. Exactly. I, You know, I can only imagine what mm. was going through the minds of avid G.I. Joe fans in 84 when issue 21 had that massive reveal that linked the two ninjas. That Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow had the same tattoo. You know, one page, two panel reveal, and breathtaking stuff. Like, it's it, it's that I am your father moment, isn't it? Yeah. Um, that, like, changes the game, and, and it's never the same again. The fact that they now slap it on the sword hilts, their uniforms, their belt buckles... It's a little tasteless. <laughs> I'm going to go out and say it. Yeah. No, I, I, I think I agree with you on that as well. It is something that's just become... It's also a pain for guys who customize as well, you know, who want to make non-Arashikage ninjas, you know? <laughs> I know you were fantasizing about how you could, like, smooth it down and remove it completely. Jeez, Paul. Have I poisoned you that much? Did you have this view on the Arashikage symbol before you met me? <laughs> no what made it what actually no 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 i i didn't have this view uh before i met you but then you know what actually made it worse was when they did the the second movie when they did uh retaliation and then they ninja branded that whole wave everything had didn't to like, they put ninja. it on like the the vamp twos or the, the i don't know the yes. new school vamps like on the bonnet or on yes. the roof or something <laughs> it's on there it's on roadblock for for crying out loud you know it's just it, it that it, it was just ugh. it is such a cool thing actually but it's just it's been made into such a, a branding uh exercise and then the other thing uh and something that irks me about this storm shadow in particular is i i understand that he's quiver. <laughs> it irks gamble as well <laughs> yeah gamble also he's like not happy about it i really <laughs> i really hate that his sword is on the left because if you look at the old school one, the original Storm Shadow, and I've got this really beautiful Storm Shadow here, and I've got the Sideshow, and I've got a lot of Storm Shadows, the cool ones are the ones where they put the sword on the right-hand side, because he's a right-handed swordsman. And typically, uh, Storm Shadow is a dual-handed swordsman. But the thing is, it's mu it makes more sense to me for him to grab his sword from the right-hand side, not to cross his whole body to try and grab something on the other side of his body. It just it just looks so weird. It's so off, and it irritates me. And they've made a similar oh, well, mistake. Can I blow your mind? Can I blow your mind? Do it. Yeah. He's a right-handed swords, or he's ambidextrous swordsman, perhaps, but he is also a right-handed bowman. <gasps> Correct. So, so they... he's drawing his arrows over his right shoulder. Right. But check this out. Have you noticed how the sword sheath attaches? It's got a little circle thingy in it. So maybe we I can think swing it's it around. I think it's a post that you can swivel. So if yeah. you wanted, you could have the sword line up with the quiver. That's just yeah. my conjecture. Don't hold me to it. Yeah. But I think he'll be able to draw his sword and his arrows from the same place. If you wanted it that way. Yeah, you see, like I see that in the packaging as well. And I'm really hoping that that is the case. Because 
Yeah, it does drive me crazy. It's just one of those those quirks that does irritate me. I know why they've got it for the pack shots. Like, if it isn't locked down, then they put it on the pack shots because it creates a nice silhouette. That's totally cool. But then... Yeah, it just shows off all the accessories all at once. Exactly. Except for the included arrow. And then the other thing that, like... Uh, and this actually just extends back to, sto- uh, to Snake Eyes. Snake Eyes' sword, the sheath, connects to his backpack, which is great. But it's upside down. It's backwards. So... If uh, uh, the best way I can explain it is the blade is facing Storm, uh, Snake Eyes. It's not facing away from him. So he's kind of drawing his sword backwards. It's just strange. Would you ever want a Storm Shadow that sheaths his sword at his waist? I would love that. That would be very cool. But the problem, uh, that takes away a lot of the ninja aspect. Because as yeah, a ninja... Is there a- uh, is there a practical reason for putting it on the back as opposed to the traditional, you know, place you sheath your sword alongside or your katana? Oh, based on books that I've read about ninja, ninja never carried swords and sheaths uh, at all. And if they did, it wasn't their sword. It was a sword that they'd repurposed um, from somebody else, allegedly. But it was not something that a ninja carried. In fact, uh, if anything, ninja tried to carry very little and would actually hide weapons along their route, like towards a target. They would hide weapons in bushes and then use them as need be and carry on. And a lot of their weapons were actually um, forged uh, swords, you know, like failed forging of like a katana or something like that, that they would uh, steal from or buy from local blacksmiths. And they would wrap some like um, cloth or something around a portion of it so that they could have a handle. And that was known as the ninja to, uh, as a as a toe. And that was that was just a killing implement. So you never actually carried it on you. You you didn't carry anything. So a lot of this stuff is all modern fantasy anime inspired ninjastic stuff that's going on, which is cool. Um, for me personally, as as somebody who uh, as as a practicing martial artist, if I had to carry my sword, I would much prefer having it. If I had to take it over my shoulder, I'd much prefer it by my hand, like close by. I can just lift my arm up to get it, so I can use my other arm to protect myself. Or to push somebody away before I drew it. And uh, on my side, if I had to try and be agile, having a sword on your side is just, it's impossible. Because that thing moves around all the time. In fact, uh, having a sword on your side is very much a samurai thing. Because they don't have to, they don't run around. You know, they would ride on horseback and spear people to death. And then only when they had to like fight one-on-one would they actually stand and draw a sword. And a sword fight is not like what you see in movies. It's not some prolonged thing that goes on for like 20 minutes. It's literally, I draw well, a sword, Well, unless you we're draw talking about European sword play, in which case they're wearing armor. Yeah, that's things, a whole different you know, spiel, yeah. You'd wear, you'd wear down your opponent just by sheer tiredness. And the exactly. weapons they used were so damn heavy. By the time they were done hacking at each other, it wasn't the, the edge completely blunt. Exactly. And I mean, mm-hmm. that I, in that kind of fighting, the sword was used as a defensive and an offensive measure. Whereas in like katana-based fighting, you're not actually, you're, the, the objective is to never touch your opponent's sword with your sword. It's to, go, it's to go past the sword and to kill your opponent. That's how it works. There's none of the, parrying is like, it's like not the goal. Because breaking your, uh, because you breaking sh- your sword with... Unpopular opinion time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Should Storm Shadow always be regarded as the foil to snake eyes why uh i think if pressed for an answer i'm like storm shadow and snake eyes should never fight ever Mm. why because of their shared history you get them in a room together they are brothers like unless there's been some kind of brainwashing in action 
Like, they should be able to work out their differences without drawing swords. Their whole philosophy around, yeah. around to, you know, the violence is the last option would bar them from throwing down first and, and, and communicating last. To further my point, if Storm Shadow and Snake Eyes were to ever realistically meet in combat with the intent to kill each other, they would kill each other very efficiently, very quickly, and very finely. Like, yeah. it would be over in seconds, and that's it. They're both it's dead. It's a matter of luck. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah, they, well, exactly. Is yeah. the injury that I'm going to inflict on you going to not be as life-threatening and as final as the injury that you're going to inflict upon me? You know, that's what determines the winner in a sword fight. <laughs> it's yeah. uh, one or two cuts, and it's over. And also, remember, like, they're both ninja, so the idea of them actually meeting face-to-face is also kind of... Uh, realistically speaking not really a probability they would uh, the one would always try to stalk out the other and technically storm shadow would shoot an arrow into store uh, into snake eyes <laughs> exactly That's... or snake eyes would just uh, run his uh, uzi dry look yeah, it just shoot. came up yeah. on it came up on a thread that i i fear i was like not punching at my weight class because <laughs> it was about the cartoon series and people were lamenting the fact that like spirit and storm shadow were cast as sparring partners as it were yeah. and they were like why did snake eyes never uh, fight against storm shadow and and i just said why would snake eyes ever fight against storm shadow <laughs> through the cat amongst the pigeons and was subsequently ignored but i mean the point stands like if you think about it why would these guys given their history together why would these guys ever fight yeah that's because for nothing <laughs> it's exactly the thing in martial arts like even like i mean just from my experience as a, as a student it, it's like if you have an issue with somebody you don't go and like fight them um you talk it out you know like you kind of go listen dude like you know if you have an issue with me tell me what's your issue you know what i mean like and i know it sounds like very like oh i'm gonna tell mommy but you go and tell your head instructor and you say listen this person and me, we have issues. We we seem to have problems. And then your instructor will turn around and go, well, if you decide to act on those, I'll sort you both out. That's kind of how it works out. And so that discipline, I'm sure, for a ninja clan is like a hundredfold. And look, I, I'm, I'm very cognizant of the, the comic book fans screaming at their radio right now that it was a very brief and furious confrontation, or, or it's actually just a chase, really, that Ahama scripted where the soft master tells Snake Eyes that Storm Shadow is outside the window and to go and get him. Because the soft master, as far as he's concerned, he was, Storm Shadow was responsible for the hard master's killing and he is the dishonored son who needs to be silenced, finally. Yeah. But as soon as Storm Shadow and Snake Eyes are confronting one another, it very quickly, the truth of their positions very quickly becomes exposed and, and that's where the conflict ceases. From that moment onwards... They are brothers again, effectively. So, I don't know. Rob, do you have an opinion on all this? Yeah, I think I think definitely... Yeah, I was actually thinking about that issue. I mean, they, they kind of resolved the, their problems very quickly. It was just like, you need to understand why I'm, why I'm in Cobra. And it's, oh, okay. Yeah, I want to find my uncle's killer. Fine, let's get on with this. <laughs> I think probably yeah. my biggest issue with the figure is that the arrow that he comes with doesn't look like any of the arrows in his uh, quiver. Yeah. That's a big problem for me. That's a huge Rob problem. Rob strikes. That also irritates me. 
It doesn't look oh, anything yeah. like it. Even a different shape. It's the color of his armor. It's not the color of the bloody arrows in the in the Shia. Jeez. But yeah, you know, I, I think yeah, it was a cool conflict initially, and it makes. It, I mean, it's fun more in like more recent cartoons and stuff like that, where it's very easy to go. You know, he. You know, these two guys have irreconcilable differences, but um, it just depends on the medium, I think, as well, how they portray them. I do prefer it if if they're more like brothers and they just had uh, differences which they, you know, they were fabricated. It wasn't a difference between them two. It was something outside of them. They kind of reframed their relationship. I don't think they necessarily want to kill each other. It's style over substance in the eyes of uh, of the designers, of, of the, the, the architects of the mythology. It's like black versus white, sword versus sword. You know, these characters are meant to be pitted together and and there's enough sense of that in the fan culture to support it. But if you want to peel back the layers a little bit, go a little bit deeper, it's like, nah, these guys would never fight, ever. <laughs> or either that or it would be very decisive, very quick and very perhaps unexciting, actually. Yeah. These yeah. guys are kind of best used not against one another. I mean, if Storm yes. Shadow is working for Cobra, he's kind of better off encountering any other Joe but Snake Eyes because he, he can be a greater match for any other Joe. You know, he can be that in, in, enigmatic baddie who delivers a fatal blow and then disappears. And it's like, we're going to get that Storm Shadow. Yeah, that that's what I wanted to say. Like, you know, just to to say uh, to add to what you're saying now, that's what makes Storm Shadow cool is that when Storm Shadow attacks like Scarlet and Roadblock or whatever, you kind of have that extra level of fear. Like, okay, somebody might die here, and it's not going to be Storm Shadow. Not because Roadblock and and Scarlet are like ineffective. It's just you kind of feel like the best barrier of protection from Storm Shadow is Snake Eyes, and so it's kind of like Storm Shadow attacks them, Snake Eyes intervenes. And then those two sort of kind of like cancel each other out. They're both like, yep, we can both kill each other. Do you want to die today? Nope, I don't want to die today. Let us go. <laughs> and yet canonically, yeah. <laughs> when Storm Shadow was used in the comic book series, he was endeavoring to always be, be shown in the best possible light for the Cobra Commander. Yes. You know, he is masterminding a rescue mission on the Commander to finally, finally be held in high enough esteem to be entrusted with the knowledge of his uncle's killer. Like that, that is a very simple line of motivation that exists. And everything he does is in service of the commander. He's not being dispatched as a merciless assassin to go kill Hawk, which they did eventually do in Devil's Due. Uh, but that was kind of, I think, reliant on brainwashing. Ah, yes. Uh, my Devil's Due knowledge is, um, <laughs> is a little bit sketchy. And Kamakura was also used for that at some point as well. So Right. Yeah. But it seems like Storm Shadow, fortunately, never fell into the trap of, 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 of having to disobey orders and not take the life of a G.I. Joe he'd been tasked to take. Mm. You know, like, he, we never saw him in that moral quandary of like, I can advance in Cobra if I kill this person. What do I do? In fact, if anything, I mean, he, tried to tra- he, he starts training Billy, you know? And he, uh, you that know, comes because... later, yeah. Though it's, it's far more cut and dried in the Action Force cartoon, uh, comic book. Oh yeah. Uh, he is—he's an ir- irreconcilable baddie. He is literally that 
that uh, as agent of assassination uh, at Cobra Commander's side who just gets sent out to kill X target. And he does with ruthless efficiency. Ruthless. But I also like that. You see, that's the thing with like Storm Shadow. I also like that element of him. He's this like efficient, badass killing machine. I also like that. I like I, I dig that. I think it's so. I actually, I, I think I've said it before, but I quite enjoy Storm Shadow as a bad guy. Well, then you're in two minds, aren't you, Paulie? <laughs> yeah. What I'm is so it? Stuck. Oopsie doopsies. And I, no, I just. I like Storm Shadow as a bad guy. I think he's a great bad guy. And I think he's also a great uh, character that has to learn to reconcile that side of himself. You know, j- much like how Zartan has to later on in the comic as well. When, you know, when he sort of faces the fact that he's the one that, that assassinated, you know, somebody who essentially led him into to their house, into their order and gave him a home. And Okay, Paul, that, so I yeah. want to know from you and I also want to know from Rob, mm. like... Okay, firstly, Rob, do you regard Storm Shadow as a baddie? Uh, I think I think overall, no. I mean, he, he's he's better when you kind of have the two brothers together working together. Good. Now, question <laughs> for both of you. That's the question. That's is... the answer I wanted. <laughs> well, no, no, no. I, 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 I'm glad that we are all on at least some part of the spectrum. That that. Uh, okay, here's the question: What line? in the sand morally does storm shadow have if he has gone to the bad in service of gathering intelligence if he has kind of been a card carrying member of cobra command worn the snake symbol what has he done to achieve that position what misdeeds has he done has he taken life in service of cobra rob I think he probably has, yeah. No, I, th- I think he'd do anything to achieve his goal. I mean, he, I think the loss of honor is, is so great that um, any means to to regain that honor is important and is, is necessary to be able to get to that end. Paulie? In the comic, I actually can't think of one instance where Storm Shadow has actually killed anybody in the service of Cobra. So any th- any any killing or any misdeeds he's done for Cobra is actually all conjecture. It's all like stuff that we may think he has done. Like what Rob has just said now. Like it's an assumption. So then one could say that Storm Shadow is a master of illusion. He's created this uh, concept that he is so dangerous and so bad and has done all of these cool hardcore things for Cobra, but actually he probably hasn't because we've <laughs> never seen it actually happen in the comic. Paulie, that's some idealistic bullshit right there, man. How can you be bodyguard to Cobra Commander? How can you be assassin number one in Cobra Command to the point where you get to walk around in your own snazzy white pajamas? I mean, it's not like he's ever pictured in like a blue shirt outfit. He's He has definitely earned his stripes somehow. And it's got to be by having gone to the dock. And I'll tell you my motivation at this point. In 155, the final issue of G.I. Joe, Snake Eyes writes about his friend, Tommy, that he came from a family of ninjas and that Tommy was sent to Vietnam, a shooting war in the jungles as the kind of the final graduation event of the Arashikage clan's prize pupil. He is absolutely trained within an inch of his life to be a living weapon 
And the only way that blade stays sharp is to be bathed in blood. Like, the only way he can test his expertise at being an instrument of death is to kill. Which is why a war was so appealing to him. And let's not lose sight of the fact that he must have been a frighteningly young man at that stage. Young and reckless and not fully um, appreciating the the complexities of what it means to take a life. Yeah. So arrogant, powerful, yeah. yeah, not much conscience. And so immediately after the collapse of the Arashikage Dojo in the wake of the, the hard master and those events, I think Tommy is still quite young, quite callous and very much fueled by a vendetta. So I think still his, his, his more compassionate side is clouded. And I'm pretty sure he took many lives in the service of Cobra, which you make got him... me thinking of such cool story ideas. Yeah. Well, he's, <laughs> so... it's it's just yeah. another war, and it's yeah. just another set of targets. But this one's personal as Do well. Do you think so... he took any relish in killing uh, Viet Cong or NVA? No, I don't think. Uh, that's the thing. I don't know if he. En- I don't know if he enjoyed it. I just think he disregarded that life like as you're saying i don't think he regarded life as life so to speak i think he and was are just cobra's quite... targets no more should you be no more conscionable about taking the life of uh the the, the enemies of cobra as opposed to taking the life of a vietnamese farmer with an ak-47 yeah i can see where you're coming from yeah the yeah what is the line for him hmm. i think only after he he rescued billy hmm. yeah did he have a huge sea change of character and he's like i now have a, a student and i now appreciate that all these tools that i have in death and violence like those are uh, absolute last resorts the you know the philosophy of my martial arts is to cure the cause and not the symptom yeah because i mean he he even like stops billy from killing his father i mean and you know and and his whole thing is like patricide is like beneath him like well not beneath him but he's just like no don't kill your family like so i think that's his line his line is family and i think once he has billy it is essentially his family because he still feels separated from cobra i mean from snake eyes even though snake eyes is his brother uh, in a lot of ways and so that's the only family he's really got um snake eyes and jinx and so I think that's his line. I think once he rediscovers family, he rediscovers life, so to speak. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Does anyone else have anything to add, Rob? Any more points I th- rattling around in your brain? I, th- I, th- I think you, you you guys have definitely brought it across really well. Oh, <laughs> dude, we could do such a cool Storm Shadow origin story, like within Cobra. Like, ooh. Anyway, carrying on. <laughs> oh, the script is written and ready, my friend. <laughs> do it. I just need my Storm Shadow uh, and all my blue shirts and my Cobra Commander and my Snake Eyes and my green shirts and <laughs> Scarlet and my 1983 HQ and a His Tank and a Fang and a Claw <laughs> and a Snake and 2023, dude. and a Vamp. 2023. I know, right? Just around the corner. Jeez, I need some toys. Yeah, sorry. It just it ties in so nicely with another character that I've I'm sort of thinking of ideas for. So, no, oh. oh, that's cool. Yeah, Paul, get on it, my brother. You've taunted us with your eagle hawk takes out the his tank and delivers your package uh, sequence. <laughs> Give yes, us some more. No, Give us some I more. need to add to that momentum definitely. 
because I really enjoyed doing that, even though it was tough to do. Um, <laughs> so, guys, anything else you want to say about six-inch GI Joes? Like we are so beyond that. <laughs> no, no, I know. I just, I just want to just check if there's anything else that anybody's like left behind. Because all I, the only little thing I want to leave behind here, and it's worth mentioning, because we were talking about ninjas. Um, whether you like the red ninja or not, it's a great accessory pack, and it's definitely the runt of the litter. Uh, I think there's a great toy in there somewhere, um, but I think it's it's cool to find to get that to get more weapons for Snake Eyes or Storm Shadow in the future. Anyway, uh, on the topic of of getting figures, guys, what were your first uh, online purchases, eBay and or otherwise? I mean, <laughs> what is the story there? I mean, like what's I, going I was on there? Mine and mine go as far back as 2010, which doesn't seem like very far, but. 2010, oh. you dude. I think we we were buying mm-hmm. since like 2004. Imagine like the internet. Because my my paper my <laughs> my PayPal account. Correction. Or even earlier. Uh, before we left school. Yeah, buddy. Okay, the first internet purchase I ever made was in 1998. <laughs> <laughs> wow. The internet just being invented general hawk wasn't it <laughs> or just hawk wasn't it? well exactly it was a we were trawling toy fair magazines and educating ourselves on all the toys that were released under the banner that we loved so much of gi joe and we were like oh my god we gotta get these guys like there are so many holes we need to fill we've never had the classic bomber jacket hawk that was that was my thinking and we've never had like the most ultimate, most useful, and best vehicle ever produced. Come on, gentlemen, you know what I'm talking about? A tomahawk. Yeah, or striker. The tomahawk. You troll. You troll me. The tomahawk. The very first thing that I ever ordered online was hawk and the tomahawk. <laughs> and it was from a company called Amuck Time. Oh, do you remember them, yes. Rob? I do. I do remember that company, yeah. I don't know how far along the order got because I was using my father's credit card and this was in the early days where I think it came off some weeks later. I mean, he would have to get a statement in the post to know if the money had come off or not. There was no, like, Ew. internet banking. Uh, so... I labored for the entire Christmas season of 1998 into 99 with the expectation that any day now I'll get this post office slip (laughs) and there will be the most legendary toy I never had and the commanding officer of the G.I. Joe team, which we also never had. And man, did I wait. Eventually, they e- eventually I think I sent them an email saying, Hi guys, just want to check uh, the status of my order. They were like, sorry, we ran out of stock. Lol. <laughs> I was crushed. <laughs> I was crushed. Oh, I was so sad. This is 13-year-old Steve embarking on this precipice of like getting toys in the mail by ordering them on the internet. And it didn't work. But was it followed up, Rob? Was it followed up? 
what did we, 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 we tried to get, wasn't it Chuckles and Falcon and um, Spirit? Was that also from a mock time or was that from someone else? You ordered Chuckles and Spirit and Falcon. I ordered Duke and Stalker. And once again, it didn't work. <laughs> Bloody amok time. I curse your name. Though, of course, yeah. it no longer exists. And I'm pretty sure the people who were once running it have all found other careers. Or well, early grave. You, I don't know. you'd like to Hopefully. say that they don't exist. But amok time, I've just logged onto their website right now. Which is a process. Because... Oh. Before you even My get to word. the website, they ask you to confirm that you're human first. <laughs> you haven't even got to the website and wow. it's like, tell us that you are not a robot and then you can look at our cool products. Did you reply, we are human? <laughs> <laughs> no, we're dancers. Um, Rob, do you remember the interface? <laughs> do you remember that like the pictures were so small? Yeah, they're tiny. And they're all photographed on like red and of course, we were using dial-up, so like time was of the essence because we didn't want to run up a, a huge phone bill. So we were quickly like, "Ooh, ooh, let's um like jot down what our priorities are and like have them in three categories." Like, oh man, the tomahawk and the whale—that's in category number one. Category number two is like the vamp or whatever, and like category number three. Oh, what's a what's a sea ray? Never seen a sea <laughs> ray before. What's that thing? That that looks interesting. It's kind of cool. I think you were keen on the sea ray. I was like a little bit lukewarm, but you know, I, of course, that my eye on the tomahawk. Sea ray was pretty cool back then, dude. What a time! And then we quickly jumped off because someone needed to use the phone. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> but eventually, I succeeded. I won. I had my first successful eBay auction in February of 1999. Does anyone want to guess what that toy was? Snake eyes. <laughs> Version? Uh, knowing you, it's probably version. Uh, it's probably the the ninety eight one. The version no, one. No, no, you had that as fuck. Yeah, yeah. Version. Uh, no, it wasn't version one. Oh it's shit! Probably version three, dude. Version three. Nineteen eighty nine version. Yeah. What's your guess, Rob? I'm gonna say it's, it is the one with the with Timber. That's version two. <laughs> Isn't it? No, I'm saying character. You don't. Oh, character. To... Oh, I'd have to go with with false choice. Yeah. Jeez. You're not hemmed in there, bro. Oh, okay, I, I thought I thought Paul Paul well, he got it right because his memory, he just he can feel it. Oh, Is I, I can feel it. I'm gonna I'm gonna say f- Rob, you were around at the time, and this figure became somewhat of a protagonist for me. Oh, I don't know if that helps. <laughs> was it a stalker? I feel like it was a stalker, but it probably wasn't. My memory is horrendous. You know, I only got uh, the version 1.5 stalker in 2014. Jesus. I bought it in person, in fact. I, I bought it in so du- Dublin City Comics. <laughs> yeah, I remember that story. <laughs> but, uh, so, so any... Okay, well, let me stop you guys guessing. It was Lady J. Oh, shit. Oh. And the seller's name was Toys Plus of Cincinnati. Don't bother looking him up, folks. He doesn't exist anymore. But I bought that figure, and she was my leading lady. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, until until eventually I I, I won her from you, and she belongs to me. I won her back. (laughs) Did you? Did you? (laughs) On this very podcast. Lols. You're funny. Lols. All the lols. By the way, Toys of Cincinnati, uh, it looks like they... Well, they were on Amazon at some point as well, hmm. just so you know. Toys Plus. Toys of Plus of Cincinnati. 
Yep, they oh, were on Amazon it? for a while. TOYS Cincinnati. Uh, I, hmm. I don't see what they're selling now. I don't know if they are, but... Riveting, Rob. Tell us Crazy. more about toys. Um, well, <clears throat> I'm trying to remember what my first purchases were. They're probably the earliest one I can remember. It wasn't it, it was it wasn't eBay, but it wasn't a G.I. Joe. It was either so so there came a point where Stephen discovered the Transformers collection oh. of figures where where they're kind of like reissues of the original um, Transformers, oh, but those in these ones really in the nice boxes. yeah, and they're really cool boxes. Mm. But the, those are quite late though. I mean, those are like 2005, I think they started. No, no, 2002 they started coming out. So that was a year after I graduated, and most of them were 2004 even, I think the later ones because i remember getting um either uh skids i think which came out in 2002 i think he was either my first one it's kind of like a like a boring like van essentially because <laughs> i think steven had already gotten some of the cooler ones and that was one of the cheaper ones you could get it was either that or it was the stepper which is the the essentially the black colored version of uh of jazz Oh yes, but, yeah, yeah. But but the thing is, I don't think these were the original things I ever bought, or maybe they were. Because the thing is, I don't think I wanted to use, or I don't can't even remember ever asking my mom to use her credit card. Because when Stephen was buying things in 1998, that means that we were 14 and 15 respectively, I think. Oh yes. <laughs> so I mean, we were definitely very illegally using Stephen's dad's credit card, and you know, obviously putting his you know name and details into these websites. Um, you know, with his Uh-oh. permission, but um, of course, I think. But by the time I finally got a job, it was only in two thousand and three, two thousand four. So it does feel right to me that it was a Transformers collection figure that was the first thing I got off the internet. Because I think, yeah, Stephen by then, he, he, you know, he, he he had like five or six years under his belt of buying stuff on the internet. Um, <laughs> Though, Rob, you did uh, capitalize quite a bit on a website called Dr. Tongue's Toys. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> do you remember them? Yes, I do. I do. And they're actually, they're still around. Weirdly enough. Oh, but wow. I'll, we can talk about that just now. But um, yeah, Dr. <laughs> Tongue's Toys. Yeah, they were fantastic. I think probably they were the place that I bought the most stuff from. G.I. Joe stuff. Hey, stop clicking your mouse. Sorry. <laughs> I'm trying to open the different things. Boy, boy. Use the trackpad, please. Um, right. I'm going to chastise it, you about it on the air because, man, oh man, is it the most tedious part of editing this podcast? I sorry. <laughs> mouse click. Yeah, no, Dr. Tan's Toys. Um, I think it was Mark Mark Pedersen was, was, was the guy who ran it. And they've definitely been around. See, you do remember stuff. I do remember stuff. Of course I do. Yeah, I mean, that this way we got most of our vehicles even as actually. I think we got both. Was it both of our whales or was it one of our whales we did buy things in pairs didn't we yeah we both got mumbers because we were doing a gi joe online rpg text-based rpg which had an opening sequence where a pair of mumbers attack this base yeah. and we were like oh these are the coolest things ever we both need one <laughs> so i think that's you broke the ice on it by getting me a moray hydrofoil for my 21st birthday yes that was the greatest thing that's ever happened to me uh <laughs> I think, <laughs> except for the birth of my child. Hey, um, congrats. You know, the very next year. I don't know. <laughs> what are we talking about? <laughs> I buried the body in the backyard. Um, <laughs> but that just opened the floodgates for both of us. We were buying up his stock left, right and center. And the crowning moment of that 
particular sell or that particular run of purchases with that seller was we bought a tomahawk and a whale in one big box mm. and a night raven and a sky striker in another big box and rob i can tell you now when those arrived i wept tears of joy <laughs> i i actually had an outpouring of emotion that like welled up in my eyes and fell to the earth as tears i was absolutely beside myself <laughs> yeah I'm so glad I'm not the only one who has moments like that. <laughs> well, it, it's so, just crazy so. to think we owned whatever we had could, we could get in South Africa. Um, and then obviously we discovered, you know, online you could get almost anything. And also th- at that time we discovered YoJo, which is brilliant because now we had we had like a proper resource of, you know, knowing what everything was and, you know, what we could, you know, hone in on and what we could buy. Um, and definitely Pedersen, he had the the widest variety i think his prices are pretty good generally the quality of 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 the toys were always always absolutely amazing never had a problem with him ever i remember his dragonfly was 70 dollars his whale was i think i think that the discrepancy between the whale and the tomahawk was about 20 bucks i think the tomahawk was like 90 and the whale was 110 Something around there. Those numbers seem to ring true. Of course, those are mythical prices these days. <laughs> <laughs> and not to mention the fact that your whale had complete unbroken veins. Yeah. And my tomahawk came with lift ticket and his mic. <laughs> <gasps> wow. I know, right? Ridiculous. No, I mean, he, he ran an exceptionally good um, shop. And he was always very communicative. Um, things arrived pretty quickly. I remember. I mean, it didn't take that long. Lots of packing peanuts. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I think, I think, I remember we had to like swim through them to even like find the things inside. And often there were extras. I think that's how we got um, scrap iron. Scrap iron. Yes, we got a free scrap iron through him. Bro, the more you got me had its lens. There you go. Wow. What a guy. What a guy. Absolutely incredible. And yes, he is still around. Um, They uh, apparently have a shop in Portland, Oregon. Um, they don't have as many G.I. Mm. Joes anymore, but they do specialize in general. I, I think the name of the shop now is um, Dr. Tang's I Had That Shop. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Things your mom threw away. And it's, it's definitely a very large <laughs> variety of like <laughs> like anything that's old. Um, things in packaging, things mm-hmm. out of packaging. It definitely is more variety of stuff than, than kind of like branded stuff. But I mean, it's, it's just... I think it's definitely a place to check out if anyone in America has a chance. Your entire childhood is on this guy's website and in his shop. <laughs> nice. I'd love to like just wow. tool around the Portland area. Jeez, Rob. By all accounts, it's really, really cool. Anyways, Paul, do you want to regale us, sir? Yes, I'm going to go for a bit of a bump around because you guys have so many great shared experiences. Morays and mumbas and Eat scrap iron, oh my. So, my first ever online purchase was done in 2010 it was on the 5th of march and it was from a a company that still exists today called hobby link japan Mm. this was my first foray into online purchasing i had used my mom's credit card for this because i didn't have such a thing and i went in with a friend of mine yun and we ordered a few anime-esque items uh they're all either gundam or macross in my case it was kubelay and a shinmusha gundam uh, Gundam fixed figuration 
And then Jan and I both got SV51 Gamma Nora or the the Gamma. The that's the really cool pink jet from the Macross Zero OVA. And then he got a whole bunch of other stuff: um, a VF1, a VF, a VF1S, an A, and a D at the 160 scale. That's uh, Hikaru's, uh, Max's, and the orange one. If anybody uh, cares, but he got those on that same order. And I just remember. Uh, this whole thing of like, okay, cool, we're going to do this order. And then I did it through my mom's card and then Jan transferred money to my mom's card just to pay her back. And then I remember sitting here and like anxiously awaiting this, this box's arrival. And uh, that was, that was quite a, an experience. And then I wouldn't touch online purchasing for a while again, just because, you know, I didn't really like asking my mom to use a card, but on... My first G.I. Joe purchase, my first online G.I. Joe purchase was actually from a local seller on Biddleby, a guy by the name of David Harperstott, and he had a site called Yojo SA, and uh, this was, I think, just shortly after the the G.I. Joe Pursuit of Cobra, not Pursuit of Cobra, Rise of Cobra toys had actually found their way in some of the, the sort of mom and pop uh, toy shops here in South Africa, and I had managed to pick up quite a few of them, and uh, was quite... Uh, upset at the fact that there were no Baroness figures in circulation in any of the stores and that was that really irritated me because I quite liked this Baroness I thought she was really really amazing and I was also so excited that oh I could get like new G.I. Joes because this was something I'd only seen in the toy uh, toy fair magazine and I was like wow I wish we could get them and I'd order them off the diamond catalog from anime works all the time and they would never ship them and it was just ugh, it was just sickening anyway so eventually um I did an order through Yojo SA uh, on Biddleby for a Baroness Attack on the Pit, then Baroness pa- uh, Paris Pursuit, can you see a trend, and a 25th anniversary Cobra Bat, uh, which I still love. I think it, I, I think that Cobra Bat is still one of the coolest toys ever. And I think the, the movie Baroness toys are also really great, personally. But that was my first order, and it was like, it came in at a sweet little 255 Rand for all three of those toys. So, wow, that's a blast from the past. And it was the day after my birthday. And then my very first eBay purchase. This, so I'd met Steven sort of in between here somewhere. Um, because he convinced me to, to try and use eBay. But also, under Steven's tutelage, my eBay searches were very frugal. Like, I was trying to find the cheapest and best deals I could. And so I really dug through eBay. And I found a seller called Wang Yong Hai. <laughs> was... Yeah, Wang Yong Hai Toys or something like that. And um, I had found a 25th anniversary Commando Snake Eyes on card for the very low price of $6. (laughs) (laughs) And I bought him alongside a Storm Shadow and a Scarlet uh, for the grand total of $6 shipping. And I remember that whole thing. And I mean, I think that took like a whole month or something to ship. And the email reads... As a friendly reminder, the item is based in China. While we generally ship item in five day, we cannot guarantee the shipping time for international buyers, which is estimated to be lengthy when shipping internationally. If you'd like to cancel your order due to estimated shipping time, please kindly do so by contacting us. Thank you, you know, Wang Yong Hai Toys. <laughs> anyway, so that was my first eBay purchase. It was off like some, like probably some guy that was getting a whole bunch of stuff because... Only two of those figures came on a card. One of them came in a little baggie. So that was that was pretty amazing. That was my first eBay experience. And then that, of course, was the cherry on the cake because um, not long after that, I would start working for Celestial. 
And then um, I would be ordering all kinds of cool stuff on eBay. Uh, Night Ravens and Mumbas and, well, Night Ravens and G.I. Joe toys on my. <laughs> so that was my first, those were my first like online purchases all in the same year. Um, I'd also like to note that it started off without me having a credit card and it ended off with me having an actual credit card. So, yeah. <laughs> That's incredible though. Your your experiences of the internet happened way later, like compared to ours, ordering stuff. I mean, yours happened after you met Stephen, um, it sounds. Yeah. You big baby, Paul. <laughs> no, you know what it was? I always had... <laughs> you just had mistrust. <laughs> I always had the luxury of anime works, you see, because if I wanted to order something, um, I could find it in the, the previews in the diamond catalog, or I could just order it from HLJ and put it in our Not shop order. vintage G.I. Joe, you can't. Hey, no. I demand yeah, you hand the... in your G.I. Joe book card immediately. <laughs> the very second Rob and I could order the shit that we craved, we did. 1998. <laughs> oh, dude, but you don't understand. Well... Sorry, I'm just being territorial and I'm pissing on you. Paul, that's that's very charming. Can I round us off, gentlemen? I know we're running Please, a little... Well, we're not running a little long. This is about the right time to be saying our goodbyes. But I want to flash us forward to 2020 and the COVID lockdown purchases. Uh. <laughs> I no longer have an income. But as long as I have an overdraft, <laughs> there will be a trickle of toys. So I... I I've set my location to Australia because currently uh, there are a few listings of G.I. Joe stuff with local sellers. Amazing. You can get cool Joe stuff without paying an arm and a leg for shipping. I'm all about that because I have, we have lived under the bane of shipping, you know, either from the United Mm. States or China or Japan or Europe to Africa and basically paying twice for everything that we've ever wanted. Mm-hmm. Now, all of a sudden, woohoo, the, the, the roof's been ripped off. I can get things next day delivery, maybe, and uh, save on shipping. Wonderful. So, my alert went off one weekend. It seemed like a guy was actually selling off his childhood collection. So, these oh. toys had one owner, which is something that is very novel to me. I've only ever dealt with dealers, I guess. Uh, this is something I know you've had an experience of, Paul. You've bought a, a man's childhood Joe collection. collection yeah, yeah yeah and all the uncut file cards so that's there's a novelty in that and i went through his listings and there, there was not a lot that i needed um you know if i if i really wanted a swamp fire because i don't have one he had one going and it was in good nick um i kind of tempted myself with a few stupid things like a chuckles because you know rob you've got a chuckles i didn't ever feel the need to get one exactly or or a a hawk version 2 which unfortunately when i did eventually get a hawk version 2 from a mock time they gave me lifelines pistol so to this day i still don't have the original hawk pistol anyway i thought of getting his just to rectify that (laughs) we're really shitting on a mock time i did (laughs) i don't know what the hell what were they smoking um i didn't pressurize myself because i don't want to tempt myself because these are financially tough times and i you know I didn't want to dangle the carrot, I guess. Mm. So I left it and I went to sleep the night before the 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 auctions were set to close. Woke up the next day. All the auctions were ending in the morning. And uh, I get my wife's breakfast ready in the uh, mornings and make her coffee and, you know, 
do everything that a house husband should do to get his wife up and ready in the mornings. Oh, and casually passed my eye over the listings. And lo and behold, what was expiring like less than a minute from the time I opened eBay? Anyone, any, any wild guesses? What would be what would be my absolute kryptonite? My, my, oh, probably a my... tomahawk, dude. <laughs> a tomahawk. Another one. <laughs> Here is a tomahawk. I just my guessed. weakness. I've got one back home. I've got, got a two. mint and sealed boxed one. Back Don't have home. an Australian one. Technically, it's Schrodinger's tomahawk. Let's be fair. Carry exactly. on. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, do you ring a bell or do you just cut down a tree in a forest? I don't know. Whatever. It's probably filled with pulverizer parts, according to Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Until on my deathbed, I actually peel off that factory tape and look inside. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, I saw this tomahawk and I saw it going for a disgustingly low price. Like, no one should be allowed to have a very nice tomahawk for such little monies. <laughs> so just to be a shit... And knowing full well after, what is it, 20 years of eBay purchases behind me, a little less, but no, yeah, 20 years, 20 years, more than 20 years of eBay auction purchases behind me. I know how sniping works and I know that, you know, the last 30 seconds of an auction, the price just keeps climbing and you're outbid. So I just, just out of spite, just to troll the buyer who I did not think deserved to have this awesome toy for as little money as he was going to pay. Mm. (laughs) I just threw up a bid. Oh. I fully expected to be outbid at that point. No, no. Ah, the order went like this. I threw up a bid. It was a round number. And I was told that I'm not the high bidder. But I was like, oh man, this is just too basic, bitch. Did this buyer throw up the same round number because then ebay will default to the earlier bid (laughs) and i was like if this person's stupid enough to bid with a round number then he definitely does not deserve this so i'm gonna put in one dollar (laughs) more pay attention boys and girls (laughs) ebay 101 (laughs) but you know in the united states auctions the you know big market big sell you know you you will be outbid but like you will not win by that narrow margin someone will will put in 30 cents more 20 you know another dollar for another five dollars someone like the bids in those last 30 seconds go ballistic and it's a crapshoot and whoever crosses that finish line first trust me guys i've been through this many times i probably lost 70 percent of the time so if i've had that many successful auctions just think of all the ones i've lost Anyways, besides the point, no one else bid. No one else bid. Whoops. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, whoops, indeed. I was like, I I quickly got over my buyer's remorse because A, it's the ultimate vehicle for me. It's my favorite G.I. Joe vehicle. I can't get enough. B, I don't have one here with me. C, it's only had one owner and it's in great shape. Comes with lift ticket. Okay, sadly, no mic, but whatever. I'm not going to cry tears about that. I've already got a complete lift ticket. Maybe a second, Schrodinger's cat. I could use one. Just saying. (laughs) But but here's the real rub and the sad twist in the bloody tale. For some reason, the dimensions of the tomahawk when boxed 
fall into this mythical category in Australian postal service that basically costs more than getting it from overseas. Sure. It's literally <laughs> once it's one state down from me and it costs twice as much as if I'd bought it from the United States. Oh no. I I ask you what is going on in this world? <laughs> You could probably drive there. Wow, it makes dude. me sick. I'm Pick like, it up. yeah, well, no, I could fly. That is yeah. such a poor thing. Well, unfortunately, <laughs> it's in the it's in the one state in Australia that is uh, COVID quarantine, uh, and that's New South Wales. Oh, those guys, yeah. right? Yeah. So I can't fly there and then fly back. But uh, it just boggles the mind, dude. That's so ridiculous. Why? I then like I, I fudged the numbers a bit and like I reduced the size of the box online by like. I don't know, 10 centimeters here, 10 centimeters there. And all of a sudden it was half the cost. I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh my word. <laughs> sakes. So the, so the burning question is, how much is it actually costing you to ship it now? 91 Australian dollars. Oof. Oh my word. That's Oof. like 900 Price. bucks, more or less. I get thou- yeah. That's a thousand, thousand bucks. bucks. Thousand bucks. Thousand rand. Yeah. Oh, I said more or less. More or less. <laughs> Clearly Way more. Way to go to piss more. on my battery, guys. But you know what? Dudes, I paid the fucking money. And sometime this week, I'll get a notification that a courier is at the gate. There you go. And the greatest toy of my life will belong to you again. Will be inside that box. <laughs> yeah. So, on so that very cool. positive and happy ending, I'd like to leave this night's proceedings. Unless anyone else has anything they'd like to add. No, I think that's about what it. What you did is so me. I was just going to add something. That is so me. <laughs> The apparently the the internet cancel Africa. Um, the first internet line was in 1988 to Rhodes University, but it only became commercially popular or, or um, like probably the most well known um, dial up uh, product that 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 came about was in 1997, which was was a company called yeah, MWIMP with the big black box. Um, so technically, yes. within a year or so of of the internet becoming um, uh, you know, a, a viable or available uh, to a lot of people across our entire country. Me and Stephen were on the internet and we were buying toys because we were that desperate to have new toys and new things to add to our collection. Hashtag give me G.I. Joe or give me death. Hell yeah. Dude, I was still trying to get internet in my house at that time. Okay. <laughs> yep. Ladies and gentlemen, Paul comes from real Africa. Rob <laughs> and I come from Africa light. <laughs> no, uh, no, no, no. Actually, no, the to colonial be fair. paradise <laughs> called Cape Town. We got a flat mountain. Capstadt. <laughs> and a soy latte. Yes, please. No yeah. sugar. Hey, listen. D- just, to, just so that you guys understand uh, where I'm coming from. When McDonald's first came to South Africa in 1996, if I'm not mistaken, the first two McDonald's branches were opened in Krista, Blackheath, here in Johannesburg. And somewhere in Cape Town. But the important thing is, is that <laughs> McDonald's... Tiger Valley. Yeah. Uh, as, uh, was fairly close to me. So, our uh, internet was not too bad here either. But, this is the long and sad story of it. I had a few... Well, you know, I just get on really well with girls uh, when I was younger. <laughs> damn! And, uh, damn. <laughs> Shots fired! Oh, shit. You know what? Somebody, somebody commented on a YouTube video where I was, I don't know, gushing about a toy, saying, this guy really needs a woman. <laughs> I subsequently referred him on to a uh, Chicks and Toys video. With my well played. 
yeah. With, your, yeah. with your awesome wife. Exactly. <laughs> I, I don't know. Take that, haters. Eat it, nerd. <laughs> so what happened to me is... <laughs> so what happened to me is I would often be on the phone. And I racked up quite a bad phone bill one month. And oh, my no. dad had then decided, no more telephone. So we had the telephone <laughs> removed from the house. Imagine yeah. your dad in that tone of voice. No more telephone, Paulie. Yeah, no. F- yes, it was a lot more swearing and a lot more like cuck words and Afrikaans, let me tell you. Anyway, so in order to get the internet, we needed to get a phone line back. And my dad was like, we're not getting a telephone back in the house kind of thing, you know? So like one of those situations. And then I tried to wangle the schoolwork angle because, you know, I was still in school and that didn't work. And yeah, so that was a whole... So internet would only find its way into my humble abode at some time in 2004 or something like that. I think even later. Ah, uh, Paulie, your hurdles were many. They were many. But eventually, you got the entire range of the rise of <laughs> I got them all. <laughs> They're all yours. I bought the shit out of those things, dude. You I... fucking, you bought the shit out of that shit. <laughs> I fucking taught them a lesson. You you owned them, <laughs> literally. And I still own them. I actually, and to be fair, looking back at them, some of them are actually still cool toys. I'm not going to lie. There like you go. Like that Baroness. Um, Good And choice. on a happy note, this is why, this is why all of us on G.I. Joe Book are so appreciative of guys sending us toys and to the guys who have sent us G.I. Joe stuff over the last few years and, and even on this year. I mean, wow, <laughs> it's been so cool because... The hurdles are many, and, and and as you heard Stephen say, sometimes we'll pay like twice, you know, you'll pay like for the the stuff that you buy, and then sometimes the shipping is even more than the stuff that you've bought, and... <laughs> Hinty McKinterson, yeah. my hawk is still missing his sidearm, just saying. <laughs> 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 Let's get out of here, guys, Hell we yeah. both overstayed our welcome, as usual, but we love you, and we love each other, and there's just so much love. And Joe is back, baby. Here we are. Whether you are a fan of the six inches or uh, are overjoyed at the prospect of practically any other product <laughs> that might be coming, it's back. And speaking of products, check out our Teespring because, man, Paul's got the must-have G.I. Joe item currently listed on Teespring. Paulie, <laughs> I'll punch it up in the uh, show notes below. But uh, if there's anything you'd like to add on that particular item... Like what it's called, Paps. <laughs> it's our G.I. Joburg the Fanny Pack. Gross. <laughs> it's a moon bag. <laughs> Come on, America. Like get with yeah. the program. A fanny is a vagina, please. Please. <laughs> it's my vagina bag. Yeah. It opens up. I can put stuff in it. Oh my <laughs> Indeed. Goodness, it's voluminous. It's tough and it's desirable. Yes, get yourself G.I. Joe book, the fanny pack. Covered in G.I. Joe's. (laughs) Put some G.I. Joe's in your fanny pack. Gross. And also, guys, like, like if if you don't mind, I'm just going to punt the Patreon a little because I've been doing Wallpaper Wednesdays on Patreon and I've also been, like, doing this thing where I create cutout diorama pieces and I've just done the first one. And the second one should be up uh, sometime after this podcast is probably aired. And uh, that is something that is exclusive to our Patreons. And that doesn't matter which tier you come in at. uh, You'll just have access to those wallpapers and that uh, cutout diorama piece. 
And you know the thing is, there's a lot of people who like to make play motion videos and you know, diorama stuff is sometimes tough to come by and or sometimes expensive and you know, this is part of your diorama starter kit, you know, you need a computer console for your G.I. Joe or Cobra base, there you go, you have it and you've got a nice new cutout prop. So if that doesn't draw you to Patreon, I don't know what will. Oh, plus you can also get an exclusive discount on all of our Teespring stuff and uh, then you can get your very own fanny pack, but for less. <laughs> uh, cool. <laughs> it's not about the Patreon tears, boys. It's about the Tomahawk tears. It's Tomahawk... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's coming, guys. I'll have to report back in two weeks as to whether or not I wept oh, no. tears onto the pavement. Tomahawk tears. Right. Letters, boys. Letters, Joe Burgers. Cheers, guys. It's been real. It's been fun. It's been Berg. Berg. Bye. 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 <laughs>